0: For at least me personally, like like I mentioned, having a, a person or a face to a problem that needs to be solved for me is like intensely motivating because I like helping other people to achieve their own goals and things. So yeah, and your, and your dad is another great example. Like he had a problem and you're around and you're know, sort of motivated to, to help out in that way. And, and that's really what for me at least drives like the learning process and, and just trying to figure things out to achieve that. i learned when i was in school and didn't realize until later on how important it was was probably 80 percent of any career or any job you go into even as a designer even as a maker or anything if you're working with other people 80 percent of your job is probably communication which i remember clear as day was was told to me by other industry professionals when i was in school like you have to learn how to communicate be able to write things be able to write out requirements or ideas and just clearly communicate your thoughts to others in whatever medium you prefer is extremely important and I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, that's that's interesting, like, but I still need to get things in my portfolio and I need to like boost this up and stuff. But it is totally true. So I encourage all listeners, please, like, if there's a public speaking course that's top by your school or or even in libraries, I think do this too. Like if you're out of school, take those. The disparity between the skills that are being taught to human factor students in schools versus what employers are actually looking for in uh, potential new candidates new people. So I was like, all right, <laughs> perfect for me, because right? I wanted to answer that question specifically. And the thing that stood out to me that I still remember this many years later was like...
1: What's up everybody, I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer, So in this show, I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Andy Breran. Andy currently works at Red Hat as a senior interaction designer. Similar to Catherine from our last episode, Andy also graduated from Tufts. And don't be surprised if our next episode guest is also a Tufts grad. Now, I was extremely excited for this conversation because Andy is a prolific maker, a term describing one who likes to build to solve problems. And it surely did not disappoint. Just to note a few of his creations, Andy created an assistive tech device company back in high school, started a web development consultancy, started the Tufts Make Club, and created multiple applications at Tufts. In short, the conversation was a total blast. And if you ever want to start building, but don't know where to start, this episode is perfect for you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Andy Breran. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. So I would love to delve into a specific session section of your career thus far. So I delved into your profile before this call, and I have to say, like looking through all of the stuff that you've done in the past... You really exemplify what it means to be a maker, which for people who don't know, it's a person who likes to get their hands dirty and do a ton of projects that interest them. And to give some listeners some context, you've started a high school club that turned into an assistive tech company. You created a web design consultancy and Oreo Decreamer, creamer, which I found really interesting <laughs> and a product design club at Tufts and just a ton of projects so i would like to bring it back to the beginning when did you develop this maker spirit as a designer and did it start early in your childhood
0: yeah i think it must have started pretty early actually i think uh growing up in the late 1990s and early 2000s i i remember like as far back as i can remember always wanted to be an inventor when i grew up and thinking back there were probably a couple of movies and tv shows that kind of inspired that there was a mm-hmm. one of my favorites tv shows as a kid was a cartoon on nickelodeon called rugrats where the mm-hmm. uh the dad who was one of the characters in that show was um a toy inventor and he mm-hmm. would always talked about how he wanted to put the pickles family name on the on the map by making some the next big toy or next big invention and that was sort of his his right. uh, shtick and then thinking back a little bit too there's also a movie on uh, a bug's life. I think it was Pixar's second ever film after Toy Story. And something about it just like resonated where there was this this ant who I think was a protagonist. His name was Flick. And mm-hmm. he always wanted to be an inventor as well and would make little contraptions to help other people in his colony, you know, collect food and uh eventually fight off yeah. the evil grasshoppers bailing of it. But I always thought it was sort of cool. Like uh he was a bit of a revolutionary and trying to do things differently and improve people's lives and and help out his his fellow ants. But uh, something about that like helping others through making stuff and being creative always kind of resonated with me as well so yeah mm-hmm. like just always wanted to be an inventor even from a, a very early age and whatever that meant I wasn't totally sure but that was definitely a theme of my early childhood you know I had the uh, top secret notebook with sketches and stuff all that kind of stuff it was
1: it was fun mm-hmm. what were some of the things that you wanted to invent back in those days
0: uh I remember I like started small just like things that would help either my parents or family members like do their chores or things or you know, like a little basket elevator thing or something for the stairwell to bring random mm-hmm. items or whatever upstairs more easily. Or yeah, yeah. Um, I remember one that this is a little bit when I was getting older, my great grandma was in an assisted living facility and she would often leave behind her cane or her walker when she was you know, roaming around and stuff where it was kind of dangerous, a little bit dicey because you want them to sort of have that with them always with them. Uh, but she mm-hmm. would often forget it or leave it around in places and and sort of forget to bring it with her. So, like, right. it's like the early days of like Bluetooth and stuff. And I remember I was uh, playing my dad's Sony Clie at the time, like one of the earliest versions of Bluetooth and playing, like, playing with my brother on games and stuff. And I was like, this is kind of cool how the Bluetooth indicator kind of decreases, increases based on how, how far mm. apart the Client are apart. And I was like, what if you could do, you know, what if you could apply that idea or something to your cane or walker? And what if my great grandma had something on her that, could like tell if she's too far away from the the walker or cane and like say something like a uh, a reminder like you know please grab your walker or something and I would sketch ideas like that just trying to connect various bits and pieces from around my life but I think the general theme was like things that would help people in general kind of like that <laughs> that ant mm-hmm. from bugs that, that resonated yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's interesting to see the influence of movies and also yeah movies and media in general on your maker spirit and. I think more of a general question, like looking back at this journey, what were some of your most memorable creations or ventures? And what did you learn from these experiences?
0: Yeah, I, I think probably the biggest one or one of the biggest and earliest ones was one of the first things you mentioned back in back in high school. I was a, a sophomore at the time and just kind of looking around for extracurricular activities and, and things to do. Um, kind of a quiet and shy kid, but there was one that club that my science teacher at the time was starting and the club was competing in something called the national engineering design challenge competition uh, where the goal was basically to create an assistive technology device for a person with a disability to help them in their in their workplace and it could be pretty much anything it was pretty free form but one of the students in our club used an electric wheelchair for most of the time when they were in school and he he talked to us about how uh, accessing his textbooks that were stored in the back of his chair was kind of annoying like he would use a, a backpack mm-hmm. and just link it behind the um arms of his wheelchair and sometimes he'd have to ask for help from another student or uh, or or an assistant to sort of get textbooks and things from the back of his chair because he couldn't always access it Uh,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and we sort of like took that idea and it was like the very beginning of kind of introduction to engineering and the product design process and making things to help people and uh in the end we made like this little device that you could hook onto the back of any wheelchair and adjust some things and it was basically like a, a little arm almost like a door a door swing, mm-hmm. take a backpack from the back of someone's wheelchair, swing it over to the side so they can access right. the textbooks or whatever else, um, and then easily swing it back through pulleys and ropes initially. But we wanted to motor um, to make that process easier. So it wasn't like the most you know a huge invention. It was pretty simple of an idea, but mm-hmm. that idea actually got us to uh, Washington D.C. for the national finals of that competition. Wow, fourth place or maybe in fifth place, but it was still a really cool opportunity, like to do a <laughs> a. Field like school field trip based on idea and just you know an extracurricular activity that i think for me like my biggest takeaways were wow like we could actually make some useful things even as high school sophomores and mm. for me, it was a big confidence boost as well and like my own ability to kind of help lead a group and be innovative and actually actually invent some things for you know not just having to be sketches or very rough prototypes and stuff but something that would actually improve someone's life in a more tangible way and i went from being a uh Pretty shy and quiet sophomore in, in high school too. Well, probably still kind of shy and quiet, but I at least knew like you know what I was capable of. Um, and those were definitely a confidence booster for me. So mm-hmm. it's probably one of the yeah earliest examples that sort of set the course of my life of like, wow, this is actually kind of cool and interesting. And it's really neat that we were able to do
1: this. Mm-hmm. That example really exemplifies like the core product design, which I believe is you're designing something to solve a problem. So even though, as you mentioned, like the solution that you talked about is not like the most... I guess, revolutionary design, but it ultimately still solved a problem for people who are sitting on wheelchairs. Totally. Which yeah. I, yeah. I love that. What are some other ventures that you embarked on after high school? So, after you got to college, which you also went to Tufts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Funny coincidence. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Max, ex- another major kind of tent pole making experience in, my, in my, my career so far was actually right before going to college, the summer before it. Um, I was looking for projects or things to do. You know, I didn't have to do the uh the annual summer reading assignment and stuff or mm-hmm. for schoolwork <laughs> mm-hmm. before the like, courses. So I was like, all right, let's let's learn something new. And my my dad actually had always talked about for for years up until that point about wanting to make a blog or a website for himself. He was a longtime employee at IBM where he would make basically useful articles that were inside of internal systems for like how mm-hmm. to do things and helping other coworkers and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was probably also an inspiration for me Want to help people too is my my dad and parents in general right. but and he was sort of bummed out because some of the articles that he had written over the time were, were lost because of internal system changes and stuff so he was thinking like it'd be awesome for me to have a blog but i don't really mm-hmm. have the time to do it so as a you know, as an upcoming student just in that summer i was like all right i'll figure out how to make a blog sure yeah <laughs> it's not too hard so i just did some googling try to learn about kind of wordpress and setting up wordpress themes and like just barely enough about html and css javascript and php just a few things in, the, in that space to set up a wordpress website for him to to write mm-hmm. his articles down and get his thoughts out and and i i don't think we really expected this and it, it took some time for this to grow but mm-hmm. it was really really neat and inspiring for me as well when we set up like google analytics and you can right. see the traffic just steadily increasing where people are finding the stuff he was writing about to be actually useful and got to the point where we could put some advertisements on a site and and actually started to generate some some revenue that he could use to you know, mm-hmm. buy his gadgets or you know, upgrade his hard drive on things and, wow. and blog about those, which was a you know kind of
1: yeah a recurring
0: cycle of articles. So I just thought it was really neat, like seeing how the internet could enable one person to put their ideas out there, and then importantly for me, like help hundreds of thousands of other people, like save time, get back to their families, solve a really technical problem that nobody else in the internet was talking about. Um, mm-hmm. also, like major moment in my brain that was that clicked for me is like you know making can different forms. It can be assistive technology devices and something physical, or it can be things that are more digital and like a website that really helps other people in a different way. So mm-hmm. that's a really cool uh, experience for me. And, and then I made a few other websites for people in my local town and stuff through the uh, small web design. See, I did
1: so mm-hmm. uh, a major one. Yeah, that's interesting because the summer before my sophomore year, I also helped my dad design a yep. website for his company. <laughs> so yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing some overlapping elements here and that was also really interesting because I guess that was sort of my first I don't want to call it client project because he's my dad, but it really is one because we were having like frequent discussions about so he has a film production company more like commercial production company so he needed a company website to showcase his work. So I basically was in charge of like creating the entire website, the design. I didn't code myself; I used a no-code tool called Bubble to create it. And yeah, there was definitely a lot of like back and forth, but I learned a ton from that project. And it sounds like you also learned a lot from yours as well.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And you yeah. spoke a little bit about like motivations and why why do you make? And for at least me personally, like like I mentioned, having a, a person or a face to a problem that needs to be solved for me is like intensely motivating because I like helping other people to achieve their own goals and things so yeah and your, and your dad is another great example like he had a problem and you're around and you're know, sort of yeah. motivated to, to help out in that way and, and that's really what for me at least drives like the learning process and and just trying to figure things out to achieve that um mm-hmm. you know, make a solution whatever solution to, to achieve that outcome so yeah for me at least mm-hmm. that's, that's the inspiration for for making it definitely a definitely good prompt
1: I'm curious like for all of your past projects how does a project for you or some sort of venture exploration start like does it always start from a problem or maybe does it start from a curiosity of this technology this field like what's normally the starting point
0: yeah I know for me personally it's it's usually about helping others sort of that's my my core motivator basically like And i can you know look back at the old invention ideas i had as a kid and they're almost always connected in some way shape or form to helping somebody else solve a problem that they were experiencing but Mm -hmm. i also know, like there's there's definitely a creative element and a creative part to making too um there's an awesome channel on youtube i don't know if anyone uh or if you've ever watched mythbusters before there's a tv show Mm -hmm. i think the 2000s probably with Mm -hmm. adam jamie jamie heineman where they basically you know bust myths basically like some random old legend or something or some Mm -hmm. youtube video and basically try and debunk it or or show if it was plausible or or something doable but like they apply the engineering process to a scientific method to actually like make a hypothesis try different solutions or a way to like recreate and bust that myth and anyway that's Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's interesting Uh, Mm -hmm. he has an awesome youtube channel now called tested um and he talks a whole lot about like his inspiration for making and, and sort of where that comes from and nowadays he like he makes a ton of recreations of old movie props and cosplaying uh, was playing things like you're making a uh, helmets and stuff from star wars and like trying to make them exactly like the old movies. and yeah. he talks about like a lot about um the art of making and sort of that creative like fire in your heart that just you want to make something that way mm-hmm. and he's also a big proponent of i don't know if anyone's sort of um uh, STEM, science, techn- science Technology, Engineering, and Math, which is a major mm-hmm. Effort, mm-hmm. Effort and push in, in schools across the country and definitely another big part of the maker ethos, but he's a huge proponent of putting the another letter in there, uh, the A in STEM to make it STEAM. His opinion and, and many others, like the the A, the art, that creativity is is another huge inspiring part of it, like um, mm-hmm. where the, <laughs> the inspiration yeah. sort of is that drives the rest of the engineering and the math and the technology behind it, achieving that whether it's a, you know, helping solve of the problem or wanting to recreate a thing or, or even just making new art and something that never existed before and sharing that with the world, mm. contributing back to the, you know, the human consciousness. Mm. Yeah. So a really, really cool
1: part of it, so. That's interesting. Yeah, I've never, I've heard of STEM before and my assumption of STEM is always like math, science, hard yeah. facts. And so it's super interesting to hear the art aspect added to it there's always like a creativity side when you're creating something new creating new inventions
0: totally yeah the oreo do creamer for example you mentioned there was something that Mm. we started doing in college and and that was just a totally uh you know spur moment we need to try to make something so we may as well make it fun and i'll be honest like just that that was for the a of like you know again it doesn't matter like what exactly it is or if the solution is perfect because in that case we're just trying to test out like how easy is it to make an actual physical thing uh, at Tufts University back in 2012, 2013 or so, when we were trying to do that as mm-hmm. sophomores, wanting to make things and start to learn about the process of product design? And mm. um, so that was sort of like, you know, that was the spark, that was the flame, that was the, the fire behind it. And we learned a lot by doing that and realized like <laughs> it's way harder than it should be. We lower the barriers of doing that at Tufts and, and elsewhere. So, going back to Steam and stuff, I think the, the A, is definitely a huge part of that uh, Adam Savage is uh, I'm a huge proponent of. And yeah, totally check out the YouTube channel test. There's a lot of great makery yeah. things that I'm also very inspired by.
1: I'll add those channels into the show notes as well if anybody is interested. And I'm also curious because like for these types of projects, you mentioned that you normally start with a problem and then you go through a process of the product design process basically. But are there... Because currently, this is more, I guess, personal to myself. Like currently, let's say, for example, I want to create like a Pomodoro timer for Windows. Like that's more of just an idea. I guess it's more solving my own problem by creating this and also for me to learn stuff. Do you think that's still worth, I guess, pursuing? Because I know that, I guess, a lot of um, new designers, they do projects because they want to put onto their portfolio. And normally I guess portfolio is more like end-to-end product design. You go through the research process, ideation, like this entire process that you feel like it's valid to put on the portfolio. So I'm just curious from your experience, like are those projects worth pursuing in that case? I think totally
0: like literally like one of the, um, my philosophies is just learning by making whatever it is, is essential. Like, whether, the, whether your motivator is to help your own self, making little little tools. And I've done the same. Like on my website, I have like little bookmarklets and things that help me do various things, little bits of JavaScript that help me do things. But um, mm-hmm. like whether it's doing things like that or helping another person or just like making stuff for the art or the heck of it, it's all making you learn by doing so. So whatever the project is, I would just say like as you're doing it, also pay attention to what which parts are like inspiring to you or you have fun mm-hmm. doing it. In unexpected ways, like maybe when you're making your Windows Pomodoro applet, you realize like, oh, coding is actually kind of cool, and I like developing, you know, coding languages and stuff. What's what's the best coding language? We'll try to build this in. You learn a whole lot of things along the way of doing it that I think are awesome to include in a portfolio. But I think a little bit tactically, because I know that you know, many listeners here are thinking about you know internships and applying to to job to jobs and things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember, and I guess this relates to the club back in school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Back when I was an aspiring uh, you know, designer, uh, much like yourself and many, many folks here, I, I was particularly interested in like, what do, what would make me more attractive to, you know, potential employers in the future, right? Mm. And mm. that year in Boston, I think it was like 2013, no, yeah, 2013-ish, uh, the Human Factors and Ergonomic Society um, was having their annual meeting in Boston that year. And that was the major I was in, was uh, Human Factors or Engineering Psychology, which is closely related to design, mm. a little bit different, but very similar. Anyway was a session at that uh, conference titled something like the disparity between the skills that are being taught to human factor students in schools versus what employers are actually looking for uh, in potential mm-hmm. new, communities and new people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, <laughs> perfect for me because I wanted yeah. to answer that question specifically. And the thing that stood out to me that I still remember this many years later was like just making things, like actually practicing the product design process and going through it and documenting and sharing your findings and learnings was crucial because a whole lot of the projects that you do in school are kind of theoretical or there is no sort of user to them so tactically if you can connect your project or your thing to any person it could be a single person it could be a group and go through the like research phase a little bit of like understand their user needs what are the problem what are the problems they're experiencing and focus on that and then by the end of your portfolio piece or the end of your kind of essay description of your process like show how that had a measurable impact on their life or or achieve the outcome that was desire. I think that's also a really key thing and an awesome thing when you're giving presentations to potential employers in the future to say like, yeah, I know I'm a student. Mm -hmm. totally get that fresh out of college and stuff, but here's an example where I did an extracurricular club or just an activity on my own for the heck of it because I was really interested in doing it. I think employers really, really love to see you teaching yourself how to learn things, how to do things, how to embrace that maker ethos a little bit and just figure things Mm out and applying it to some particular problem or, or, or need that you identify in the world. So a little bit of a answer there, but uh, the takeaway yeah, yeah. learning by making is essential and awesome. I think employers really love that. and would love to see that however way, whatever way you like to show it.
1: Right. No, I love that because it's interesting because I feel like after my past summer, I've just been working on my portfolio. And then once I finish my portfolio, I haven't really been doing any like hands-on design work because I feel like most of my extracurricular curricular cups are more manage like people management type so like more like head of design or like co-pres those types of positions so for those i wasn't able to really get really hands-on with design and so something interesting happened yesterday night where i was like ideating solutions for this pomodoro app that i was creating and then i just lost track of time like it was i was just really having a lot of fun doing it and i was like oh this is just something i need to get back to and so I think that goes back to the, the idea of like just actually making and like learning in the way. I'm sure there's a lot of things that I'm not going to know before I start the project, but I feel like that's super exciting.
0: Totally, yeah. And I'll be honest, like that I learned when I was in school and didn't realize until later on how important it was, was probably 80% of any career or any job you go into, even as a designer, even as a maker or anything, if you're working with other people, 80% of your job is probably communication, which... Mm-hmm. I remember clear as day was, was told to me by other industry professionals when I was in school, like you have to learn how to communicate, be able to write things, be able to write out requirements or ideas and just clearly communicate your thoughts to others and whatever medium you prefer is extremely mm-hmm. important. And I remember thinking to myself like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Like, but I still need to get things in my portfolio and I need to like, boost mm-hmm. stuff, stuff. but it is totally true. So I encourage all listeners, <laughs> please like if there's a public speaking course that's top by your school or, or even in libraries, I think do this too. Like, if you're out of mm-hmm. school, take those, because I think those are communication is surprisingly important. If you end up in any, any place with more than one employee that like, unless you're self-employed and don't have to talk to anyone, nice. uh, communication is essential. So what you mentioned about, like when you were just ideating and having ideas about this Pomodoro app, to me, that almost sounds like that could be directly applied to skills and product management and product definition and things that, mm-hmm. again, I, even though product management was really a thing until I mm-hmm. like joined Redhead and saw product managers do the thing and write, write up. Requirements and design specs, and work with our yeah. UX research teams to figure out what does the market actually need. What's what's new or different or special about the thing we're trying to create? So mm-hmm. I'd say listen to those, listen and pay attention to those sparks you have where like you lose track of time because you're having so much fun, because that mm-hmm. could you know, shape your career in the future. I realize not necessarily something that you can say inside your you know portfolio piece yeah. of presentation, but uh, I think those are all really awesome, useful skills um, mm-hmm. that you're learning. Again, you're learning things about yourself and what you. Well, you're interested in through the making process, which I think is really awesome. It's great to hear.
1: I would also love to understand, like how has your maker spirit impacted you as a designer?
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think another major part of, being makers is sort of the realization that almost any problem you encounter has a solution, usually multiple solutions, but a solution exists somewhere inside there. Um, mm. some, are easy, some are hard, but there's usually a path to, to achieve up particular outcome. And I think that applies to design work as well. Like I read how we have extremely technical products, that uh, are very complicated in many different ways, but there's always some way of making the experience of using those things better. Mm. And... I think I always kind of strive for that as a designer. There's another kind of, kind of related thought here that, mm-hmm. and I, you know, class I'm going quote Steve jobs, but I remember when I was in school, I listened to a, you know, went down the rabbit hole, very Steve jobs, quotes and stuff. But one thing that really stuck out to me that I think applies to both being a maker and a designer is his notion that everything you see in the world around you, all the things that we're using right now, our computers, our devices, our, you know, mm-hmm. our environment is really built by humans just like us. And everything inside mm-hmm. of it is, is moldable and changeable, and you can influence things. Things don't have to be the way that they currently are forever, and you have the power mm-hmm. to, you know, influence in different ways. For anyone who's at their computer, for example, and never actually experienced like how websites actually land on your computer screen, uh, open up Google Chrome, right-click anywhere, mm-hmm. and click Inspect Element. I remember doing that when I was in high school, and my mind got blown because I was like, "Wow, it's like I'm peering to the Matrix. Like this is how websites are made. Like, I can poke around. I can." <laughs> yeah, edit the, the new york times homepage and stuff like
1: yeah it's surprising elements yeah
0: yeah inspect the elements and stuff like it's amazing how how multiple things are around us especially in the digital world where like mm. it's all just sort of company can go in and mix and match it so anyway back to your question about like how your maker experience impact you as a designer i think it just ingrained in me a core philosophy of, like things can change like mm. nothing is static even things that are seemingly set in stone have the ability to to be morphed um of course mm-hmm. it's always a matter of like, you know, the time to change those particular things. And that's that's another part of being a designer is like taking the requirements and seeing like, all right, is this really a requirement? Can we make some tweaks here or is mm-hmm. this gonna take way too long to change and we need to, you know, go with a different solution instead? But um, right. that's a mental shift that really impacted me in the way that I, I think about my work day to day as well.
1: So it's the idea of things can always be better than the current state. And you're always trying to find ways to make it better, improve it. Definitely, yeah. And
0: things are always changeable and moldable and, and you can shape it because you know humans built this world and
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> we can change whatever we like.
0: I know it sounds lofty yeah. and weird, but it's it, it's true. It's
1: it is true. Yeah. It's racial to me. I think thus far I've I feel like I'm sort of a maker in some way. Like I like to do my own projects. It's what gives me energy, excites me. I'm curious, like what advice would you give to designers who are also thinking um, to become a maker, but don't really know where to start. Like they might have the design fundamentals, but they're like, I don't know where to start.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I guess to go back to the, the motto of the club that I started like, mm. just start learning by making basically like find a problem in the world around you or something that gives you the urge to to create a solution for and start with that. And to feel like, this is another thing that Adam Savage on that tester channel talks all the time about, like. There's very little gatekeeping to, to calling yourself a maker. If you, if you even write, write anything like writing essays and stuff, I'd also consider that to be, to be making it's putting something into the world that didn't exist before that can help mm-hmm. help other people, help shape their ideas, help communicate thoughts or, or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So the barrier to to making are like never lower than they, they've ever been, even in the physical product space where there's 3d printers and various technologies and things to, to make actually compelling things that you can sell online or whatever else um
1: mm.
0: i think the yeah the bearish entry are lower than they've ever been before so i'd say just kind of go for it and
1: mm-hmm. if you have
0: the I know the motivation aspect is is definitely a struggle for some people and i also like to apply uh you know back when i was a very young kid and stuff you know my parents and grandparents i'm sure this is true for many folks uh had this idea of the no thank you bite where like if i didn't want to mm-hmm. eat a or something or i wasn't sure about it and it looked kind of weird uh they'd encourage yeah. me to try to take one bite you know try to in our case, you know, make one piece of, of artwork or something. If you have an iPad, mm-hmm. try making a sketch. You make a make a piece of art using some app or something. Um, if you mm-hmm. have a web browser like most of us do, try to learn, like, the basics of web stuff and try making one basic web page that's on the internet or or even on your local computer. Just trying those things out and seeing what kind of sticks, what resonates, and, you know, what you surprise yourself in finding, I think, is, is really kind of key and important. So just keep pulling those threads, basically, like, Try new things, pay attention to what things you do and don't like in those things. And if you need a motivation, like try and help somebody else. Cause I think as, as humans and social creatures, we definitely like to, uh, yeah, that's often a core motivator for us is helping others, helping your fellow humans. So try those. Yeah.
1: So like, yeah, definitely start small. Don't, yes. don't have like super like lofty like goals, like you're going to create like the next Facebook or Instagram. I mean, you,
0: you might get there eventually someday, but even if you don't, it's, right. it's fine. Like just making something that somebody else enjoys or makes someone smile or whatever else, I think is just, you know, that's, that's being a maker. You don't have to be a,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, the next Steve Jobs or something and change the whole universe or, or the course of history or anything, but um, mm-hmm. just things to help your fellow human out, I think is categorizes yourself as a, a maker for mm-hmm. sure. It also makes you a great designer because that's what there's definitely a natural relationship there.
1: And I think, speaking from the standpoint of like recruitment, and also I guess application season is going along. And then, like, I feel like, would you say it's necessary? I don't know if there's like a better or worse option here, but do you think between like solving a problem for myself versus solving a problem for other people, like is one better than the other, or is either? one fine, as long as you find a solution in the end because I guess in my case like the window Pomodoro app is mainly for myself because I can't really find a good solution so just curious on your take on that
0: I think most employers of product designers and UX designers probably would like to see you building something for another individual because it allows you to have that user research phase of like talking to that potential client or customer or just general mm-hmm. user and seeing what their actual needs are. Um, mm-hmm. I think they often say like, there's a risk in designing things for yourself because you already know what you want. You have a very, right. um, or in some cases you do, you, have, you already have that mental image of what you, what you desire, where when you go into the industry and you work for any company, you're making things for other people that you can potentially sell mm-hmm. those things to. So that user research element and just understanding other people, I think is a major part of it. So it's awesome when you can find something like, like, you have external users or somebody who has a problem that you also want to solve as well. So you can almost like work together as a peer somewhat. But I think that's one element that, again, going back to the uh, human factors conference, that was a huge thing where like seeing actual tangible problems that people had and and applying mm-hmm. your making skills and your product design skills and user research methods and stuff to solve those, I think is a major kind of key component. But like I also said, I, I think honestly, it, and this surprised me as well, like before mm-hmm. applying to jobs, I made sure my portfolio had, you know eight different things and I wrote up mm. long you know paragraphs and paragraphs about how I approach the design problem etc and this is also somewhat surprising and I, I learned this along the way too when I was on the the other end of recruiting and, and realizing mm. like you know I, I probably to be honest can't really look through a portfolio with you know 10 different projects inside of it and and mm. read through all the very carefully written prose and in some ways like I felt mm-hmm. gutted realizing that much later on I wish i had known this like you know when I was applying where I spent so much time and effort trying to make my portfolio perfect but Mm -hmm. honestly like the the user on the other end the person who's recruiting or like the manager who might potentially hire you is is seriously just sort of skimming those things and is mostly interested in what are like the top top one top two maybe top three products that you you've sort of done or or things from your portfolio classes but also Mm -hmm. things like can this person communicate relatively effectively like in either writing or or videos that you put up there or you know podcasts like this one i think those are all great examples and show you that Show them that you're you're a well-rounded potential candidate to work for them. Um, mm-hmm. And sorry, I'm rambling a little bit here too, but that's the other uh, element, yeah, like, that makes being sense. A, a good human <laughs> and a person. Yeah. Like when you're actually talking to them, that's another major part of it. Because when your potential future coworkers and your manager are, are speaking with you in those interviews, they're trying to get a sense for you as a as a person. Like, mm-hmm. would it be fun and interesting to, to work with this person? Do I have things that I can learn and or help teach this person to grow? Are they are they interested in, in growing and improving their skills and leveling themselves up? That's mm-hmm. another huge one as well that is very much aligned with the maker ethos of, you know, right. if you can sort of prove that and show, like, you're a self-starter, you're, you learn things yourself, you're someone independent and can really take on a challenge and, and run with it, all those things are really, like, part of making sure that you're well-rounded when you, when you apply to jobs and internships and stuff. So I'd say focus mm-hmm. on that. It is, it is no one single, you know, catch-all, have to do this or, mm-hmm. or else it mm-hmm. won't work out more like a stool where like if you focus on one leg the stool won't stand up focus yeah. on all those things um yeah
1: mm, yeah i would say personality oh no actually other way around like skills gets your foot in the door and then your attitude your personality your mindset
0: That's a, gets you passed I'm right into it, yeah. and
1: then to, yeah I, f- I feel like i guess in for me in that case i want to strike a balance between like solving problem for other people but also just exploring things that I'm curious about and also learning new skills with this section. So I I guess there's like two different spectrums, but I also can learn stuff when I'm like solving problems for other people. I just feel like for those, sometimes there's more opportunities working with other clubs or I have to like actively search for these problems if that makes sense. But yeah. I, I think there's definitely a balance.
0: But honestly, like things like your story about your dad and building a website for him, <laughs> that's a great example. Like I I would personally be interested in learning more about that if you were presenting or, or giving a mm-hmm. uh, presentation to US Red Hat for example about what was your process for doing that and and mm-hmm. what did you teach yourself to enable that experience. So again like there's no mm-hmm. there's no one thing that I think we're we're looking for um or any or any mm-hmm. potential employers looking for. At least that's been my experience in my own you know. I've only worked at one other company outside of outside of school. So I don't know about other areas but that's just my, my yeah. perspective.
1: Yeah. i think we're almost out of time i do want to end with this final question that i ask in the very end of every interview which is imagine you're facing yourself but 20 years old so this is back at tufts when you're a college student what career slash life advice will you tell the young andy yeah
0: another well, question uh it's a good one so <laughs> I think I mentioned the, yeah, just trying to shake my shoulders back then and, and emphasize like mm-hmm. communication being probably 75% of any job you go into. I think it's definitely true. Mm-hmm. Again, for folks who are listening out there, like take your public speaking class locally. I did it my senior year because I was thinking, oh, it's just a you know a credit to fill. Mm-hmm. But I learned like, way more doing that than I, I anticipated. So definitely do that. And what else would I tell myself? I think just a reminder to continue to stay curious and keep trying new things, keep learning by making. Again, whether it's something that you're really passionate about and, and want to make for yourself, or something that might help another person, I'd say the answer is yes. Do it. Just just make things. Mm-hmm. It just the making process itself is invaluable, and you learn you learn a lot about yourself in doing so. So that's definitely another element. And this might be more um, somewhat more personal for me and my my experience, but I think also applies to some of the risk for people mm-hmm. who are makers and, and designers in mm-hmm. general. As you start your career and you, you get your first job and stuff, and also especially in times of COVID mm-hmm. when we're all sort of working from home as well, pay particular attention to your work-life balance. Uh, and you can mm-hmm. even do, you know, start this in school as well. I think anyone with a maker mindset and a natural curiosity to learn can mm-hmm. go into those deep mm-hmm. rabbit holes, like you mentioned earlier, where in some cases it's fun. But if you're doing that every night and you sort of like get super wrapped up in, in worky thingies, that's also sort of a risk to your own personal relationships, your other hobbies, your other your other parts to your brain that also need mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. you know, stimulated from time to time outside of making. Yeah. So I don't know, in terms of solutions and stuff, I would say like you can try installing time trackers, maybe use a screen time feature of of mm-hmm. iOS or other things to just be sort of cognizant of how much time you actually are spending either on schoolwork or work in general versus mm-hmm. the rest of life and oh, things. Yeah. And again, yeah. I'm <laughs> speaking myself here a yeah, while well, back as age of 20 because I think it's definitely important. And my mix personally has not always been uh amazing when I've mm. actually gotten into field and stuff, but that's definitely a major element. And, and time flies and you really need to make the most of the time you have. And yeah, my mom is always egging me out about <laughs> I'm getting older in life and stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> a reminder that you need to take the time to appreciate all the people in your life and the, the time you get to spend with them. It does start yeah. to feel like it's accelerating. So
1: No, yeah. I anyway, love that. that I, I definitely yeah. feel like time flies. I mean I feel like I just graduated from high school and I'm already like a third year in college and like of like sooner or later, yeah, right. later I'll be working at a company, moving away. And then yeah. Like there's some friends who already graduated, they graduated early from college and then they're already into the workforce. And then I'm just looking at them, be like, oh my god, I'm gonna be like them very soon. Yeah. It's it's crazy. But yeah, I yeah. think love that. I think with that, that rounds off the conversation, fireside chat that we have today. So Andy, thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Thank you. This is a fun walk down my memory lane. So <laughs> I hope those, hope those folks and your listeners out there, it's, it was a great conversation. So thank you for putting this on. That was awesome.
1: Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye, my name is Guo and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel show. And I'll see you in the next episode.